Hi guys, KO here. Today is another awesome one. We have Jeff Olson in the house. We are discussing all things marketing and branding, influencers, how to avoid being a broke influencer, and identifying the difference between goods and services, creating leverage, and the importance of curiosity. Stick with us all the way to the end where we explore some of Jeff's personal experiences, his life now, and partnerships he's created to monetize his athletic background and now business experience and professional stance on all things health and wellness. Enjoy. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Turmeric and tequila. Uh, tequila. I haven't even had tequila. It's still early in the day. Um, it is uh, Wednesday. We got to check in a little bit with all things going on. One day kind of leads to another. Uh, I'm excited. I've got a connect of a connect. Uh, Jen Orr, Stif- Jen Stifler now, is a friend in common. I went to college with her. We were actually roommates. She was a soccer player. I was lacrosse. And she is all things health and wellness now. And she connected me with Jeff Olson, who is uh, a multi-appearance Olympian, an entrepreneur, longtime athlete, health and fitness advocate, enthusiast, all the things. And as my crew knows, I let you guys tell your story from you. So we keep the intro short from my end. And I let you, uh, tell us about you from you. So Jeff, welcome. Thank you. Um, I'm excited for this convo. Give us some background on you. How'd you get here? What's going on in your world? Wow. That's a loaded question. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, you know, middle-aged guy. I have three, three grown daughters, just one last one turned 18. I'll be an empty next or next fall. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, you know, transport for my testosterone in my twenties and thirties and, uh, I, wait, I read that on your bio. Let's unpack that for two seconds. I, I thought that was a really well said um, metaphor, but give me full explanation there. Well, you know, any any young man will know that the testosterone days of their life, and uh, or if you're in it, if you're if you're that age, you know. Look, I, I was uh, a downhill ski racer. You can see by the picture there. Uh, I chased snow for a living at 80 miles an hour, and it was a pretty uh, high octane life. A uh, lot of you know, a lot of testosterone, a lot of aggression. Uh, we were a traveling fraternity of, of, of crazy men, uh, in, in a good way. Uh, um, as a professional athlete, 10 years, did a couple Olympic games, got a wife out of the deal, met my wife at the Olympics. That's a whole other story. But, uh, upon retiring overtraining and actually ended my career, uh, cause I thought more was better. Uh, and yeah. so I set off after that because I, I ruined my knees through heavy plyos, heavy, heavy weightlifting, heavy squats, Developed patella tendonitis, had to have four surgeries in a year. That ended my career after Lillehammer. So that lesson, uh, working hard will get you very far, but working smart perhaps is some leverage. And so I set off in the next 10 years trying to work smart in the money business in Wall Street uh, and in technology. Uh, you know, the alpha male in me sort of got pulled to Wall Street and money and then uh, technology and things are going to grow to the sky and startups and made a lot of money, lost a lot of money. And as we say, built a lot of character along the way and had some life lessons, uh, and more isn't always better, and smarter isn't always uh, doesn't always win. It's actually those that can adapt, right, and and find uh, opportunities. From an entrepreneurial perspective, not all athletes can make that transition from being an athlete to being an entrepreneur, but I think it's probably the uh, most similar in its attributes. I think athletes are entrepreneurs on a particular field of play. And I think entrepreneurs are athletes on a different kind of field of play. So I was able, it took me about a decade to figure that out after I retired and a retiring athlete is a, uh, an interesting time. Uh, but I, I kept moving this is kind of the one thing I did. Right. So, um, I still have a testosterone, just a little less middle age and I know how to use it. Well, I, I have, I, I live in a house with five women. So I, I work Fair with enough. women. I live with women. Uh, I swim in estrogen. Most of the time I tread water in it and it's all good. So 
I feel like the, I feel like universe God whatever saw you and he's like, okay, this guy he's running down hills. He's got all this testosterone. We're giving him a wife and three daughters, and we're just gonna see how how he how this plays out. So say God's got a good sense of humor because he threw a curveball at me. <laughs> I think uh, he or she will go with that. Knows what they're doing, right. and um, you know you, you get you get what you need. So uh, that's amazing. And there's and before I, Jeff and I really spoke, which this is really our first conversation, and these are some of my favorite casts where it's like we're literally meeting on air. So every piece of this conversation is is new and authentic. Um, but just kind of reading a little bit about his, his background and discussing, you know, what are we going to talk about? There's so much opportunity. Uh, and I couldn't agree with you more around, you know, athletes transitioning into the entrepreneurial business space in general, because that competitive drive, that competitive edge and so much of, you know, our, our skills through sports can be applicable in the, you know, life skills and the business world. And I do think there's a huge conversation around that transition and kind of losing your identity as an athlete, particularly when you, you bleed it and it's everything. And then you, you know, you were fortunate enough to become a professional. Uh, I chased the dream a little bit with CrossFit after my collegiate experience. And, um, I, w- I wouldn't say I'd monetize it as an athlete, but fortunately I had marketing Brandy, I could, you know, monetize some of the time and energy with brands that I was working with. Um, but transitioning out of that competitive zone as an athlete is, is really hard. Was that a big identity shift for you? letting that go massive yeah yeah uh and and a lot of athletes never make it out of what i call their umbilical cord uh meaning they stay close to their sport uh they work inside their sport and that's fine look uh, nothing like there's no wrong here um maybe make it out is the wrong way to say it i just knew I, i i wanted to get away and and i knew i had to recreate myself beyond my identity of a, of a, of an athlete. Cause when that, when that, when that career ends, uh, and you don't have a bunch of gold medals in your pocket and one ain't good enough anymore, you got to have a lot of them in your pocket for the phone to keep ringing after you retire. Yeah. Uh, the phone stops ringing. I was, I was fortunate to make cash when I was an athlete back, back in my day, 20th century athlete, there were three, there were three outlets. There weren't podcasts. There was TV, yeah. print and radio. And I, I had sponsorships. I had cash sponsorships that made money. And that was all good. Different day now. And I, I we, we talk to athletes now about owning their influence in, in a new era uh, of sponsorships. But but yeah, that transition was hard. I, I, I As I said, I did the alpha male thing. I went to Wall Street. Then I did the alpha male thing and chased technology and startups. And that's cool and sexy. I was trying to be a provider for my family. Um, as a man, that's very much wrapped up in the identity. But I didn't know my voice until probably it took me, took me 10 years after I retired to find myself and, and be at peace with kind of, you know, I think we're all sort of restless souls trying to always get the higher ground if we're hustling. Um, but I have a lot of gratitude, have a lot of uh, peace where I am, love my life, love my girls and uh, just keep on rolling. So I, I certainly use my athletic past every day, no question. And I retired with a, a particular mindset that athletes have that I thought everyone had. And it turned out, Oh shit, everyone doesn't have that mindset. Wow. And so personal sort of development and growth and like mental vigor and, and all of that kind of stuff. We work a lot with help people kind of get, find their mojo. I was always good at leading myself, right? In business, you got to inspire and help lead others too. And, and that was, that was a different conversation. And so, yeah, it's been a fun journey and uh, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I learned the value of hard work and smart work, but then being yourself is kind of where I've landed in the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years. You can work smart, you can work hard and you can find your tune. Then, uh, that's what everyone's sort of after in life. So. Sure. Kind of just finding that like, you know, river of alignment where it's a lot of work, it's a lot of fun and it's, it's not too much where it just kind of flows. And, and, and uh, figure out how to get paid doing it. Right. That's a, that's, of course, you know, of course. <laughs> find something you love, get good at it. The world needs it and they're willing to compensate you for it. That that's the hustle. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I hope that, you know, I, the, shifting out of professional sports or competitive sports more into like the business, which I really do love the entrepreneurial side, the business side. Um, but I would always identify even now as an athlete first and, um, it certainly shifted and, and I had ACL surgery and cleanouts and all the fun stuff. And I, the clarity that injury provides, I would never wish this upon any athlete, but the clarity it provides and you really getting to know yourself outside of that athletic identity. And then having likely your, your true first love taken away from you. Um, and in seeing your teammates or your athletes around you compete when you're not there is a very unique experience. And, uh, the amount of growth that happens in that and the amount of resistance is huge. 
And I am very much a champion of everybody playing sports, particularly early on when you're young, um, uh, especially my young girls and, you know, the confidence it builds and learning how to use a schedule and working with a team and all the things it, it's, it's really awesome, but it's certainly humbling at points when you really are, uh, an elite competitor and you put everything into it. Um, that being said, being on the business side, and this is where I really want to go with this conversation because I love that you are athlete and then very experienced business person, the evolution of sponsorships and how you monetize your sport, your true love is a very tricky conversation and ever evolving one. Uh, I was fortunate again to be competitive athlete. And then on the CrossFit side, I would come from lacrosse. So it was these, you know, relatively rich white sports and there was money around it, even though they weren't really on TV, especially, you know, women's lacrosse, no one's paying to see that. Um, but there was families and support and, and brands that were around it. So being a marketing and branding professional, I was on that side. So as transition out of lacrosse and more into CrossFit, I saw these athletes trying to have conversations with companies and they didn't. And this is right when Instagram and everything was taking off. The conversation was changing as we were in it. And I was very protective of the athletes because I was competing on one side, but then working with the brands on the other. And I was like, you got to protect yourself. And you need to, as you just said, um, understand that your time and energy and your brand, your influence are all monetizable. And it's way harder for you to rebrand and redo things if you don't truly align with this company than it is for the company. So this uh, conversation around influencers and, and athletes um, becoming a business and a brand is is very tricky. So I'm, I'm very curious to hear uh, your take on that and how you're advising athletes or companies right now, how they monetize those relationships, because I really do think there's a, a phenomenal, mutually beneficial relationship now uh, that exists and athletes and influencers can absolutely monetize what they're doing, but the conversation is, needs to be strategic and both parties need to come into it knowing what to ask for and then how to utilize each other. So it is mutually beneficial. Um, so I'll cut off right there. Uh, give me a little background. Maybe let's start on what you guys do and how you're managing or advising those relationships as of right now. Yeah. I mean, in the world of business, you know, first of all, you know, as an athlete, I, I knew nothing about business when I retired, like nothing. I was so naive. I didn't, well, you were know, I didn't know I had right? blind spots all over the place. I was intellectually ignorant. I was clueless, but I did choose to finish my college degree in, in business finance. And I got some like awareness of like how the world works outside of like being a little incubated, you know, spoiled little professional athlete, which is a very insular life. And so, um, you know, at, at close to 30, I was waking up to the world and I was like, how does this world work? Right. And so, you know, business is not that complicated. It's, it's, you know, you know, you got to get customers, you got to keep customers and lather, rinse, repeat, make a little profit. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I got that from Lou, Lou Holtz, you know, get some customers, keep them and make some profit. It's not, but it's goods and services. Right. And you need to either understand, are you a service or, or do you offer goods, right? And 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 there are pros and cons to goods and services. And so in the world today, you know, like Gary Vaynerchuk and Gary V and all the, you know, all these sort of followers and brands, and I want to be a, you know, a life coach. He, and he's got a great little quote on 25-year-old life coaches. And a lot of athletes retire and they like the spotlight has been on them their whole life. And like, I'm going to have a brand and I'm going to be an influencer. And I know a lot of broke influencers, right? I know a lot of influencers yeah. with, you know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100,000 followers. And, they, and they're, they're hustling hard to make a part-time income, right? And, and most sponsorships end up being swag or product. Like if right. you're blessed enough to find cash, then do it all day long. But my proposition to athletes is like, uh, I take it into the world of there's the influencers of at the Kardashian level, let's just say. Um, and then there's micro influencers, right? And, and it's more community based, right? It's very, it's very micro in its influence. And, and, and I mean, what I mean by that is, I don't know, Seth Godin's a guy I follow and he's like, you know, you need a tribe of about, about a hundred, man, and you can turn that into something. And so, um, with that being said, you, you need to understand or find goods and services that can monetize, um, and services, you know, are hard online, right. To monetize a service online. So, what we do is, you know, I, I fell into this. I wasn't looking for it. You know, funny how life works. Um, I was introduced to some functional functional food, health food, 20 years ago. Made sense to me. My dad had some health challenges. I'm like, get your ass on that. You know, plant powders. 
And uh, my dad's now 84 and been pounding plant powders for 20 years. So I, I saw a consumer good that made sense to me. It was innovative. It was like, think different. It's like, as a consumer, I got it. I rolled. And when you decide to put your name behind something, you got to stand for freaking something. Don't stand for everything, <laughs> but stand for something. It's really easy to stand for yourself and stand for your service, right? And you can brand and market yourself. But, but when you decide to stand for a third-party thing and put your name behind that thing, you know, you got to do your homework, man. So, um, and then know that that it's got your back. And so, I, you know, a lot of brain damage going through all of that for me. Um, and, you know, for 20 years, I've been in the health food business. So I've, I've been able to bring into... Uh, the conversation of healthy living, active, I, you know, work with medical health, fitness, wellness, athletic professionals, work with athletes, work with moms. You know, it's about getting the body rolling, getting it to higher ground. It's all kind of an athletic, you know, fitness thrive conversation. Um, how do you get the body to higher ground? And, and the business, you know, what business is, is the, is, um, or what sales is great book called to sell as human. If you want to read a good book, because sales, everyone's in sales, whether they know it or not, <laughs> preachers are in sales, moms are in sales, teachers are in sales. We're all in sales. It's the business, business of moving others, period. Full stop the business of moving others. And if your business is trying to get people to higher ground than that, you can make money and make a difference. Right? So I've been blessed to be able to have a, a good, some hard goods that we offer, um, health food, unique, uh, disruptive. Um, it's got a value proposition, right? You got to add value in your good and service. Number one, if it's recurring, right? How do you retain retention, uh, consumable that that's a thing, right? Um, and, and does it have any meaning for you personally? Does it fulfill you? And then how, how can you create leverage, right? It, you can be a one trick pony and be the brand and have the spotlight on you and, and be a content provider. And then like, when you stop doing content, game over, like there's nothing, like, how do you leverage, right? So in creating leverage, you can create it with money, you know, getting a bank loan and you know, getting employees. You can create leverage in the world of working with independent contractors and revenue sharing. There's a lot of ways to, you no, know, it's not a lot. There's a few ways to create leverage, but how do you expand your income producing capacity beyond yourself, right? And so um, I've been fortunate and blessed to, you know, be able to be in, you know, find that, find that formula or find that puzzle. But, um, it, it's not, I guess it, here, here's the one thing I did well when I retired, I was freaking curious. Um, mm -hmm. curiosity is probably, I would say the, the, the attribute I admire most in the people that I admire is they're very successful, but their level of curiosity, their child's eye, their, their wonder about the world. Um, you want a better outcome, ask a better question. And curiosity is really usually the attribute that triggers your wondering or your sense of discovery, because that's where growth and enlightenment and possibility happen is when you like, you get some enlightenment and you're like, holy shit, like this whole world opens up in this new way that you hadn't, uh, didn't even know you didn't even know. So. I, I think that's really well said. And, um, the, well, the whole point of this podcast really is to question a, a better way when gracefully disruptive conversation at a time, because being an athlete and in the marketing branding world, we know that there's a lot of smoke and mirrors and not everything is what it seems, particularly now on social media. And the point isn't to call out the bad because we'll be here all day. It's really to highlight the good and highlighting key voices and disruptors like yourselves, uh, macro and or micro influencers. And there's certainly a conversation around that about actual uh, conversion and everything else more certainly isn't more just like training and or testosterone. <laughs> um, but it's, I, I agree with you. I think just asking those questions and then finding people that are like you to ask questions, maybe aren't the same because then you'll be lost in asking all the questions all the time. So building that tribe of disruptors, I think is really critical. And then just embracing with what's coming in, being diligent and intentional with your pursuits and aware with what is around you that, you know, universe, God, what have you is providing. Um, what was one of the first right steps, you know, as you're transitioning out as a professional athlete into the entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial world, maybe post wall street that you did out of curiosity, um, that really helped set the journey in the right direction for where you are right now. Uh, I kept moving. <laughs> okay. I kept swimming. Just keep swimming. Yeah. Just keep swimming. I think a lot of it's easy to sort of sit and wallow and ponder and, and get stuck in stasis and 
and, and, and look in the rear view mirror. And, and I knew that that was, it just wasn't, I mean, I just had to keep moving. I, I was a wandering wanderlust spirit. I didn't, you know, I had an anchor. I, I was called sport, my inner anchor, man. And, and no one could touch it. It was mine and it was there. But when I retired, it was gone. And I was sort of like cast out in the deep blue ocean. I was just like bobbing around and flying. Every day I'd come home and was like, honey, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And I was like this chameleon of just getting bobbled around trying to find what I wanted to do. And, you know, I just kept moving. And, you know, you, you end up with jobs, gigs. And, you know, the, the good news is, is uh, good, not good news, but I mean, I just went to work as an employee after I retired and I had never been an employee. <laughs> what kind of job was it? <laughs> uh, my first job. Well, I, I did a lot of, you know, I, I you know, I was a dishwasher, a landscaper and all that. You know, I was a maid at Holiday Inn when I was young, trying to ra- make money for ski racing. So I had jobs in the past, but like, sure. like being an adult and having a job when I retired, my first gig uh, was suit and tie, and I was working for an investment management firm out of out of, out of, out of uh, New York City. So I was in the money business, and it was a great. It was a great job, paid very very well. Uh, you know, multiple six figures. I was like, hey, this is pretty good. But um, it was a, it was a tremendous. I mean, I learned a ton, right? I learned about money. I learned about business. And I also learned that, you know, common sense isn't always common sense in the business world. And a lot of the, in the world in general. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I went through three or four jobs um, that was about a decade, like I said, uh, before I realized that I am not necessarily the best fit to be an employee. I mean, I, my wife employs me and she can fire me, but she's got to hire me the next day. I mean, we're partners in business, as I joke. But uh, yeah, so th- I-, I learned about what being an entrepreneur was, but it took me about 10 years. I'm like, holy shit, there's a lot of mediocrity out there in the business world. And if I, you know, so I was, I was kind of a closet entrepreneur, being a corporate chump, kind of with golden handcuffs. And I knew I wanted to get out of that constraint. And the world, you know, and this was, you know, 20 years ago, the world's changed, you know, dramatically. And, you know, the barriers to entry to, and, and I guess creating multiple streams of income. I mean, if, if you're young and you don't have two or three jobs, you know, you're, you're kind of rare. Uh, and even if you have a main gig, um, you know, the ability to create your own business on the side um, is, is pretty smart. It's pretty smart to do. So. Well, I think now with, uh, you know, with both of our backgrounds being as athletes and then exposure to the consumer package, good world, or, um, marketing, branding, what have you, you see this transition of how this old school way of doing things happened. And there was a few people controlling a lot of the chips. And now with social media, you have, everybody has a platform. Everybody has a voice for better or for worse. Uh, everyone has this opportunity to, to do it right is absolutely a conversation and very much worth a consultation with somebody that does know. Um, but it's really shaken up the game with how things are just for our time. And now you insert the coronavirus CB19 and we have to stay home. We have to utilize di- digital technology and we have to, you know, work with our neighbors or maybe we're trading and bartering for vegetables or I mean, we'll see how extreme this gets, but it's really shifting the market personally and professionally, uh, into these newer ways of doing things. And if you haven't utilized digital media, um, or social media, the internet for your business yet, you will be. So how do you think now, um, when you're advising these businesses and or athletes, influencers, what have you, when they're trying to monetize what they're doing, will this conversation or the conversation you currently have with them change because of the coronavirus? Or do you think what you guys are advising is applicable now because we've already been using digital and social? Well, I think we all have teachable moments and we all look back in the rearview mirror and hindsight's 2020. And we say, that was a teachable moment. That was a teachable moment. Um, you know, what changed the course of my life was my dad's cancer. And he said, what do you think of this health food, these plant powders? You know, it's like, shit, that's good shit, dad. And that changed the course of my professional life, changed his health, changed our health. Uh, now it's gone on and changed, you know, thousands. I mean, we, we just, you know, just, we had the best customer acquisition month we've ever had in March of 2020. So mm. like we're in the groove, we're rolling, like it's on. And so, but that's not everyone, right? Um, do you think that's because of the coronavirus specifically? Well, no question. I mean, fear is a driver. I mean, like there's a few primal drivers in life and fear is one of them. And like fear, 
It's not the best driver. <laughs> I mean, hope tends to be a better driver than fear. Uh, Dr. Ornish has published some, some stuff. Anyway, um, fear's driver. Uh, fear wakes people up. And yeah, so we've had a lot of people flock and they've, they've, you know, they've seen our online presence. They've seen our, I guess, brand, if you will. Um, our brand is health food agents. And, you know, we, they've seen us, you know, um, you know, trying to be cool on social media and they're like putting up the eye candy and doing shit. And it's like rolling and like living our life. And as, as Bar Gary Vaynerchuk says, just like document your life. We're just like living our life. And, uh, people sort of get, oh, maybe I should circle back with Jeff O and, and get get my ass going on this plant powder stuff. Um, so we're, 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 we're in a niche that's timely for the current, you know, sort of unprecedented times, but that is certainly not everyone. Um, right. And so um, we're just trying to keep our head down and stay in our lane. But I, but I, I guess the other thing I would say is um, I would really poke the bear on what you're offering the marketplace. Meaning like I would, I would challenge your at, challenge yourself. Like what's my good, what's my service. And, and, and I would have asked 10 people to like shark tank your ass, right? Just like shark tank my good and certain, like, because um, you know, Simon Sinek talks about, you know, start with why. And I'm like, no, that's bullshit. You need a freaking what that people want and, and why can fuel you through the hard times. But it, but if your what isn't adding value, I, I know a lot of people that are that are marketing, selling, promoting, pitching, hustling, a lot of goods and services that ain't going anywhere fast. And, and that's right. that's an inconvenient truth to have to share with them. So rather than me telling them, I, I say, don't listen to me. Go get 10 opinions from 10 people you trust. And having them shark tank your good or service, because I just know a lot of people out there are trying to sell stuff, uh, promote stuff, market stuff, and build uh, build something um, that is not built to last. Like, that's going nowhere fast. And that, that can be a learning experience, and it can be brutal and hard. But it, 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 I see a lot of that going on right now. People are hustling. They're trying to find stuff to stick. Um, but you got to be smart like a fox. Sure. I completely agree. And I actually think a really missed conversation and working with, you know, agencies and some of these large conversations, they could be, you know, six figure contracts or whatever. Um, and they're traditional agencies. It's, it's still a new conversation in my experience where they don't understand the consumer at this point. They don't understand, uh, the, this is the business side when I'm talking about businesses and now I'm talking about influencers and athletes, both sides a lot of times if they're over, I'd say 35, 40 ish, and I'm 39 in full transparency. So I'm, I'm actually a little bit late to the social media game for uh, Facebook. And when I was coming together, when I was out of college, so I was late, but we're catching up now. Um, but I sit on the, have these conversations, uh, companies and influencers that are a little bit older, and I'm not saying it's old, but just factually speaking, don't have a, a good finger on the pulse of our younger consumers, understanding that, our young people now can do their due diligence. They can see where your company works, where your stuff's made, if it's made, you know, by child labor or in, you know, not made in America or whatever. Um, if it's a woman-owned business, if it's not, what's actually in the ingredients of your CPG and if it's hydrogenated oil versus coconut oil. Uh, companies are really disconnected with, and not all of them, because there are some fabulous ones that are very connected. But a, a lot of times in the conversations I've had, they're very disconnected with how savvy the consumer is. And I'm talking about a 12 year old or an eight year old or somebody that are your future consumers, whichever way you're going. Um, and they're disconnected with how savvy our young people are. And I think that's really awesome. And there's a conversation around our young people in, you know, privileged neighborhoods and have access to education, and whatnot. And then, you know, our, our more urban neighborhoods that are, considered food deserts. It's different conversations, but the exposure through social media and our, and our mobile devices is real. And I think an upside to social and digital and internet is that information is accessible. It certainly needs to be consumed with a filter because we know some is, is better than others. And uh, there, there's a lot of crap out there, but 
I just think there's such a large um, conversation around our consumer now. And I advise all of our, just like you said, go get Shark Tank from your company. I also advise any person looking in business to get into a certain space see what their current consumers are, see what they're like, see what the buzz is, see what reviews are, um, ask some people under 20 what it's about, even if it's a, it's, it's targeted product or service that's somebody for somebody over 25. Um, I think there's a ton of Intel in what our young people have to say. So there's that tangent. Uh, as of right now, do you work more on the side of advising individuals, whether it be them building their brands or looking to eat or live healthier, or are you more on the side of businesses and brands and you're consulting more like, um, people like Apple or whatever, like more companies? Yeah. So my, my game, my hustle is I'm in the functional food business and we work with retail clients and customers. And then I'm always looking for uh, I call it the gig plus economy, independent agents that, that are looking to build a side hustle. So uh, the way I describe it is, is you could, you know, my wife and I are health food agents, but we also own a health food agency. Um, and we work with agents around the world. We have healthcare benefits. We have, you know, we, we, we mentor, you know, you with six figure income. I mean, so I guess my game is I'm working with uh, a retail uh, clientele uh, out around the world. Uh, and then I also work with uh, our tribe of uh, agents, and we're trying to help them, like uh, you know, be successful. So we have one of the we have one of the fastest growing, you know, so young millennial crew uh, that are, they, we 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 work with, and and I mentor, and uh, you know, they're all you know traveling the world, and you know, one's a big influencer, and she's going to hike the Pacific Trail this summer, and she's doing business on the Pacific Trail, and one's a yoga instructor. So I work with. Uh, people that want to build an enterprise, um, and be mobile and have flexibility. And, uh, so I'm an, both an agent and I own an agency. How's that? Love it. Love it. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a loaded and mixed question. Cause again, we see all these, you know, people that are hailing from traditional corporate world now becoming independent contractors or starting their own side hustle. So it's, I mean, it's very much in transition. I figured you kind of covered all bases. Uh, but I was just curious to see what maybe was, well, I mean, it's just, it's back to creating leverage. I mean, I, I can make $100 with my retail customer base, right? But I can earn another $100 from 10, you know, millennials that are rolling out in the world with their own customer base. And so if, you, if you're a good real estate agent and you got game, you can, you can sell a lot of houses, right? But what, what about owning your own real estate agency? If, and not, not, look, not all real estate agents think that way. Most real estate agents just want to be real estate agents. And that's awesome. Most of the people we work with, they're just health food agents. But a few, you know, that bell curve of life, it's it's that that few, that handful say, hey, I want to grow this thing bigger. And I want to have my own agency, man. And I want to grow my tribe. And, you know, so, you know, my wife and I started out 20 years as agents. And now we have this huge agency and we work with other hustlers around the country. So, most people just want to have a, a retail customer base. Not everyone wants to own that agency, and, and we work with everyone in between. And so if, it's the only way to create leverage. Like if you want to figure out how to create leverage, um, you've either got to use financial leverage or you got to use people leverage, whether they're employees building something or they're partners um, you know, shoulder to shoulder with you. So, Well, I, I agree. And um, it, I think it's so, like you said, it, it's critical to know what you want as that entrepreneur, independent contractor, what have you, because there is a lot of large conversation of somebody wanting to have their own business and then somebody just wanting to be just that independent contractor and not worry about the light bill or a team of people or what have you and knowing uh, what you want. It's kind of like being an athlete. Like, you know, I'm here to just work out in the, you know, do my garage gym CrossFit, or I want to go to the CrossFit games. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a similar conversation and, and those animals are, are similar. Um, on that note, I, you know, I love that, uh, obviously I'm a health enthusiast because I was a competitor and I wanted to be the best competitor I could be. And then as that conversation evolved, I wanted to be, you know, the healthiest human I could be and wake up in the morning and feeling good. Now you kind of see coronavirus and what's going on, even politically, regardless of what side you sit on red or blue or somewhere in between, you know, that the, our healthcare system, there's holes in the game and we've got to fix it. 
having faith in that, fine. I, I don't know that I would advise that as a consultant, but having the conversation around like, okay, well, what is something we can do prior to having to lean onto the system, especially when we're in a, you know, an epidemic like right now, it's what little choices can we make every single day to take back our power, take back our health and you know, get our own health and life together, not to be a competitive athlete, not to make a million dollars, just to wake up in the morning and be able to, you know, take my kid out of the high chair or walk my dog for a couple miles, what have you, or just feel good and, and manage maybe some of the symptoms that we have around asthma or, um, you know, mental health issues or what have you. Uh, what are some of the conversations you guys have outside of the business that really focus on here's, here's a way to take charge of your health. And here's, you know, a cup, here's a few, uh, reasons why this is important because the health conversation can be so overwhelming, um, to go plant-based or to, you know, eat lean meat or question what oil to eat. I mean, it's such a huge conversation. If there's someone new that's coming to you and is like, I know I want to take control because of CB19 and what have you, what are some, what are some really early entry points to that conversation that you guys lead with? One of the best coaches I ever had, so I got to come up with a thousand different ways to tell you knuckleheads about five things. Mm-hmm. Um, you can deconstruct any sport down to, you know, some pretty core fundamentals um, in terms of execution and skill. Uh, mastering those is the 10,000 hours thing. But when it comes to, you know, health, you know, health is a function of lifestyle and lifestyle is pretty basic. You know, it's eat well, move well, think well, sleep well, love well, work well. It's, it's, you know, but we stumble, bumble, and fumble, and there's a lot of squirrels and shiny objects in the modern world that distract us from like first principles. And so, um, my sport, I talk about you know aerodynamics and editing shit, and like you know, like aerodynamic, like how do you just like clean out the mass, the morass, and the noise, and and get down to like what matters. And so, um, you know, our community, you know, look, the number one correlated, the most correlated attribute of health. And nobody knows this. Turns out to be zip code. Zip code. Like, okay, let's unpack that. Can live, man. Um, yeah. Um, and which means <laughs> which means neighborhood, right? Where you have culture and you have uh, the built environment, and and you know how, what is you know you live where you want to live anyway. So, but what does that mean? Zip code and community. Um, you know, you, you've heard maybe some people have heard it say, you know, if you if you want to if you want to make more money, start hanging out with people that make shit ton of money, right? Like, how do you roll up and roll social class and start by osmosis? And like, if you want to get better in sport, what do you do? You put yourself on the field of play with people that are better than you. Yeah. Like, I'm 50 year old man. I, I you know. I started out in the D league in soccer, old man soccer league. And then I started, then I got in the C league and I had to level up. And then I got in the B league and I had to level up. Now I play in the A league and these 20 year olds freaking run circles around me, but I'm 54 years old playing in the A league. Cause I leveled up and I put myself in an environment where people that were better than me. Right. And that's what children do. That's what kids do. They throw themselves into a thing and they just like, they acclimate, right. They, they rise to the level of expectation. And so, if you want to get your health better, start hanging out with people that are freaking healthy. And one way to do that is you can do that through social, you, like like social media now, Facebook groups. You begin to realize that oh, I'm not a unicorn. All of my dark little, you know, what was me challenges. Everyone else has these things, and then you begin to realize that I'm no different than this person. And and you find a community, right? And so you got to belong well, right? And I think a lot of people today, don't, they don't belong very well. They don't belong in a tribe that is up to something. And we offer that. Um, if you want to come place to belong, you don't have to do anything with us with a business. Just come roll, man. Um, and and we, we do stuff and we're up to stuff. And so that community vibe, and we do stuff, we do stuff online, we do stuff offline. And the more you can take it offline, the better, for crying out loud. So the next thing is move well, and that's offline, right? And and then, you know, think well. Now, you know, if you're not in a thinking well space, start hanging out with a community and a culture and a, and a, and a crew that has got some game, and we offer that. Um, you know, when it gets down to eating well, you know, m- most of the world sucks at that. And, you know, <laughs> uh, we offer even pretty simple tools. Like plant powders make sense. Like if you don't eat enough plant matter, here's some plant powders. Get going. Get on the field of play. Be a guinea pig. Go like, don't overthink this shit. Do it. Like here's the, here's the thing is 
The thing about athletes is they are ruthlessly practical. They'll do what freaking works. Yeah. And most people, uh, we, we've sort of lost sight of what works. Like, here's my sort of my 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 thesis statement is health, you know, maybe used to be incidental. If you grow up, you know, on a rural in a rural area and you didn't have the internet and you had, you know, you were closer, you ate closer to the earth. It used to kind of come with the territory because we had a culture and a community that wasn't sort of modernized the way it is now. But today, it is my firm belief that vibrant physicality, vibrant health, thriving is now become a functional skill, an adaptive trait, an acquired learning that has a curriculum and should be taught in school on par with reading writing and arithmetic um completely so that's what we do okay well i mean i i agree and just to pull back and in what you just said i in a nutshell question what you're consuming food wise digitally uh whatever what's what's going in uh your your mind and your body and then what is your output what are you how are you sleeping how are you uh training exercising what have you how are you engaging with your community I do think it is. Don't get overwhelmed. Like try to try to nail one thing. Like yeah, one thing at a time, right? Like, and if eating well, like eating well is probably one of the most powerful things because if you get that right, that's biochemically can trigger a lot. Like you can kill a lot of birds with with one stone on the eating well thing. You know, my wife, God bless her. You know, I can have a cup of coffee and fall asleep in an earthquake, and and she's like her brain never shuts off, and I think that's a women's thing. So so her. So we all have our opportunities for personal growth. Hers is actually sleep, man. And that's a mom. Yeah. Thing. Um, you know, but so anyway, pick one thing and, and, uh, you know, get good at that one. And then that will get you excited to do the next one. I agree. And I, I actually think even if I was having a health food conversation, what you just said, I really liked around environment. I actually think that's number one, you know, certainly conversational, like where's our food, where's it coming from? And that's angle of environment, but really what's around you, what humans are around you, yeah. what people are you following even digitally, yeah. because the, that point of influence, I never got into consulting. I did marketing branding, but I was never really a super fan of this influencer thing. However, before influencers was a thing, I absolutely thought it was the most cost and time effective, uh, uh, solution to highlight key community people and align them with, you know, fitting services, fitting products, fitting gyms, what have you that I genuinely believed in because it wasn't, it wasn't a sales piece. They actually lived it and breathed it and then could spread the gospel from a very authentic space. So knowing that you're in that environment, you're consuming those opinion leaders opinions all the time. And it, even if they're not selling, if they're talking about faith or they're talking about fitness, you are consuming their ideologies all the time. So if you have a negative human in the mix that really dims your light, that is that's equally as bad to me as eating fast food every single day. Oh, it it well, kills probably, yeah. I mean, you're the vibe of your tribe, man. It's all those cliches. Those cliches are alive and well and they work. And you know, if you want a better community, recruit up and go find one. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. And that, and, and we haven't even scratched on the surface, just surface as far as how that environment really does impact your internal organs of you storing anger and fear and stress. Um, Everything's it all energy, man. Like, Everything's energy. Yeah. <laughs> it all, it people, all, it's all physics, man. <laughs> that's just it. It goes kind of from like a woo conversation to actually, this is deep science. Yeah. And if you leak, if you dig on the internet or, or you're, you know, scientific humans, if you're lucky enough to have some scientists in your tribe, uh, this is actually proven stuff that's been around for a while. Well, physics um, is, a, is the highest form of science. And then you got co chemistry and then you got biology. And, you know, we can go, we can go down that rabbit hole all day long. But, like, yeah, energy is, energy matters. Exactly. I just like turmeric and tequila is my favorite science experience. So we try and, we try and keep it simple for the most part. Uh, in the podcast, we let those go deep. Um, but I love that. So, I, you know, now that we have uh, influencers and this conversation around health and this opportunity to really, here we go, cliches, make the world a better place. Um, how excited do you get knowing, obviously, you get to do what you get to do. You get to couple it with health and sport and kind of everything exists within you naturally. And now you get to build a team that spreads that gospel. Um when looking at social media and even, you know, this podcast and all these digital opportunities, are you excited about all the opportunity around it, how you can reach the world so much easier now? Yeah. I mean, I get up every day and, you know, uh, it, for, for, you know, to those who much is given, right. I, I've been blessed with an amazing life and 
Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a privileged middle-aged white man. Like, like I got three strikes against me right there, man. So, so all I can do, I don't know if I call them strikes, but note, no, noted fact. <laughs> I guess all I can do is, is share what's worked, what's worked for me. Right. Sure. Uh, and if you take out the middle-aged, you know, privileged white man, they're, they're, they're basic principles of life, right? They, they, they just freaking work and they stand the test of time and they are built to freaking last. And so um, it's fascinating to me uh, how um, much noise and confusion and, uh, you know, darkness there is out there. And, and, and I, that always is fascinating and curious to me because that's not my life. Doesn't, doesn't mean I don't have tragedy and challenges and all that. But so I guess to, I guess to say, um, um, you, you can, you know, there's offense and defense in life and, you know, sometimes the best offense is a good defense, but off, you know, that whole conversation, but, um, you know, I just, I feel blessed every day to get up and do what I uh, uh, do uh, because I'm, I'm able to be well compensated, but I, but I also gain great fulfillment about from the work, right? There's, there's success and fulfillment. I know a lot of people who make a lot of money, but they're miserable and they have no fulfillment. And the art and the science of success and fulfillment, like I would rather be fulfilled and make less money then make a ton of money and not be fulfilled. And if you can do both, good on you, man. That's that's the sweet spot. So um, I'm I, I, I get up every day, just gotta pay it forward, man. Pay it forward. So I yeah, I I completely agree. And it's so funny you brought up fulfillment because that was the podcast that I posted today um, with a longtime friend that launched a, 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 your local uh, Just Be Kitchen. It's an all paleo, gluten free, dairy free, flat everything free uh, restaurant, and they were on diners and drives. Um, the show and yeah. they're crushing it, but you know, she followed her heart and it, we really talked about fulfillment and taking, you know, the hard route, uh, in a competitive restaurant space. But anyways, I agree. It's, it's, I call it vitamin F because it's so critical that you have this fulfillment in what you do. And I, like you have a lot of friends that, you know, they make a lot of money and they do this, but they're just totally disconnected with what they're doing. And it actually breaks my heart. Cause these are really talented humans that have such a great story and such awesome value to add to the world. If they just switched it up a little bit, and with that, I completely understand when you've got responsibility and tuition and kiddos. And as you noted, the golden handcuffs are a real thing. Well, I had, uh, golden, I had golden handcuffs in the money business. I was making bank. Um, and we started having children. And yeah. But I was traveling 60% of the time. And I realized I, I, I can't be a 40% at home dad. Like that just doesn't work for me. And I, I made it very conscious. To, I could still be in the financial game today. And, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, but, but so when I, when I left that and when I did, you know, and I got into the health food business, a lot of my bros were like, WTF, what are you doing, Oli? Like, what is, what, like, what are you doing? And now they all want my life. Cause, cause you know, they're really in the golden handcuffs now and they're, they're deeply entrenched and, and they see my life and lifestyle and they're like, man, you got it going on. But back in the day when I made that decision to leave, I was like John the Baptist out in the wilderness. I was like, like, what are you doing, Oli? And a lot of people sort of made fun of me. Now they're like, and yeah, you, you sort of figured it out. So, um, you know, my, I guess you just got, you, you got to keep what I, here's what I was passionate about. You know, I, what I was able to find in this work is, is, you know, I talk a lot, a lot about human performance for anyone. Um, you know, in health, people talk about prevention. That means nothing to me because prevention is boring. And, and I work with people that are, you know, want to get off the couch and do stuff. And so, Human performance is, is, is pregnancy, man. Human performance is better circulation for a diabetic. You know, human performance is more energy all day for parents. Human performance can be greater recovery with athletes. I talk about the adaptive response and greater recovery and immune system you know, function and blah, 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 building physiological durability. And so I don't care if you're the greatest generation or the next generation or a type two diabetic or type eight personality or an Olympic athlete or a Spartan weekend word, like who, everyone in between, man, when you go inside the human body, what brings the body life is food. What makes it work is good food. What makes it perform and do what you want it to do when you want it to do it is freaking great food. And most people don't eat great food every day. So that's our, that's our sort of rant. And you know, I, it, it's fun for me to, to get up every day and lather, rinse, repeat. <laughs> 
Well, I love it. Well, and I love the energy. And I think, you know, it's very, again, transparent, not only if you're watching this uh, live IG, but to our young humans that are consuming all the time and seeing it, I really think they can see through the BS. And if you are someone slanging whatever, and you have that genuine passion and it, you bleed it and you can see it and that energy's there. I mean, that's just all the more ethos and credibility that it provides for the potential consumer to be like, I actually believe this dude. You know, I, I see what's going on this, you know, I have some questions around this, so I might check it out, but you know, it, it's, it, they can see it. And I agree with you talking about, um, just human optimization. I've done a host of conferences and things, uh, around, you know, CrossFit, we kind of get into the minutia of how to be better. And I've done everything from brain training to like sleep and conferences with, you know, the leads of, um, you know, army special forces and our humans that literally need to live to protect our country. And like, these are the humans that really need to optimize their systems and their sleep and what have you. And now as things have progressed, this conversation around health and wellness and lifestyle has really trickled into the masses. And it just, it warms my heart because yes, pregnancy and, uh, waking up in the morning and feeling good. These are points where we need to optimize our humans and how we feel because of all of this matters. And our young people are asking these questions earlier. I see young humans, you know, cutting out gluten or asking questions about paleo or how do I do high intensity training? Um, just stuff that, you know, even I was a D1 athlete, we didn't <laughs> dive into the nutrition that much and we were being paid to be there. Yeah. Um, so to see that evolution and, and see it happen earlier is so awesome. And it just gives me faith that, you know, perhaps our young people will, will see a decline in this conversation around, um, uh, the stigma and mental health or teen suicide, or some of these much bigger, more important conversations because our young people started living in a better way earlier. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys- we're, we're, we, we're recruiting an army. I mean, we, we, we're on the field of play, we're up something. And if, 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 uh, people are asking, seeking, knocking. We're, we're worth their time and like pay attention. And look, health is going to be solved, you know, in the hamlets and neighborhoods and cities and communities and micro influencers it's, it, at that level. It's not going to be con- solved at the macro level. What the problem with health care in this country is health. <laughs> and, yeah. and that happens in the kitchen with family, in community, with those you love, in your culture and in your day to day. And that's a micro. Here's what it is. Health, uh, I spoke 10 years ago at the National Mensa Conference, and that's, you got to take an IQ test to be the top 2% in the world, and I'm not a member, dude, but I, I knew the doctor who was, I got the gig. Um, Tell them the partnerships. Yeah, the title of, yeah, I, I knew a guy. Uh, the title of my talk was, duh, I was very proud of that, but I spoke to this audience of, of intellectual horsepower, like these are, this is a National Mensa Conference, and I, I was all concerned and got, I kind of freaked out a week before, and you know, I'll tell you over bourbon or tequila someday, the rest of that story, but one of the most unhealthy audiences I've ever spoken to, I was speaking to them about health and vitality and eating well and you know, all that. One of the most unhealthy audiences I've ever spoken to they, their brains or their bodies are just mere transport for their brain. Like this was just like, they were pale and sick and obese and just like, bleh. but here's the takeaway. Health is a blue collar activity. It ain't a white collar activity. Like, the application of knowledge, we tend to bask in the false coziness of unapplied knowledge. Most people know what the hell they should be doing. They just don't do it. It's freaking blue collar life. And I, I, I took away from that experience. It's like high intellect has no direct correlation to great health. Um, so anyway. I completely agree with that. It's, I mean, as any human that's seeking a better way, you realize it's a full circle situation. You got to keep your mind right. If you're blessed to have opportunity to education or higher education, so be it. You need to keep the right people around you. It can't be one thing. Just like in sports, you can't just do skiing. You got to do the off the field, you know, weightlifting and then the fueling. And you need like the whole thing to come together. To, to, so to assume that one piece, just because you're super, super smart and intellectual means that you're super healthy and that you know how to physically train or how to eat is a huge misconception if that's even a conception at all, but it's, that's not how it is. And you need these well-rounded angles and, uh, you know, points of advice and leaders and, uh, educational opportunities to have that full package, to live the best you can, to be the best mom you can. Well, what have you? I, I think it's about to being curious, um, yeah. you know, just be curious about it and, and ask, seek a knock and it's out there. Well, so I want, I want to bring it back a little bit to specifically sponsorships and then, um, I'll have you highlight what you guys are doing a little bit more. Um, but as companies, influencers, humans are trying to monetize their time, energy, lifestyle, um, what is like one main piece of advice you guys would have if they're stepping into it 
being like, okay, I'm ready to take that leap to get in. And I want to make money off of what I'm doing anyways. Yeah. So I just did a podcast on this yesterday with, with two other experts in sponsorships. And, um, you know, when, when I was an athlete and made cash, it, the, the relationship was a rental relationship. A, a company hired me to get the eyeballs, you know, through radio, TV and, and, um, Radio TV, what was the other one? Radio TV and print, right? Um, three channels of distribution. So, but it was a rental. I, I was renting out my influence to a third party, right? Now today with, you know, 10,000 points of distribution and micro-influencing, um, the question that I pose to athletes, if you can get cash, get it all day long. Or if you're just an influencer in general, um, get it all day long. You don't have to be an athlete, just an influencer. Because athletes have influence, right? It's, it gets down to influencing. Um the question is, is do you want to rent your influence or do you want to own mm-hmm. your influence? And um, my suggestion is do both if you can. I mean, if you can rent it out, do it all day long because that window will be will be small for at the, at the sort of micro level. If, if you know, if you're a celebrity in Hollywood or you're an elite athlete, you know, you, you can play that for decades. Right. Um, but if you're, if you're a young 20 something posting, you know, bikini shots on Instagram, like, good luck with that. Like, you know, um, you know, or bodybuilders, right? Bodybuilders get a particular moment in time on the spotlight where they're, you know, they're, they're this physicality specimen, but you know, how long does that last three, four years? Um, so if you can get it, get it, but why not in the world of social media today, find goods and services, uh, that you believe in that you use, uh, that you want to stand for and put your name behind, uh, and your influence has an economic value. Uh, your influence, um, is an enterprise. And and so uh, we teach athletes how to begin to, to expand and think bigger and think, Oh, my little micro tribe of influence I can actually monetize that. And I don't feel bad about standing for these things and standing for something and putting my name behind that. And, and again, freaking naming it and claiming it and being like full out and transparent. Like, I think people want that more than anything. It's like, yeah, I'm hucking you this. I'm selling you this like freaking game. I use it. You should use it. Like the more straight you can be, I think people's bullshit factor is pretty high these days. Yeah. Um, and people just want to know what's working for you. And, 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 you know, it's like when you find a great restaurant, you tell the world about it. Well, that's what I always say. You make, you're probably doing the work anyways. If you're really genuinely an enthusiast about whatever it is, and if you've got the ethos or you've been an athlete and you've gone through a bunch of crap and I can streamline your process on how to do it better. And if it works great, if not, this, like you just said, this is what I do. Um, the treasure hunt, the treasure hunt is finding goods and services that are built to last, that you can build an enterprise on, you know, over, you know, years and decades and and you can look back you know you can build something right um that's the treasure hunt uh, the, you know and it, it's out there but that's the hustle is 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 doing your due diligence and asking the questions and finding goods and services you believe in are built to last you can put your name behind and then get on with it so completely agree i i think that you know monetizing stuff that you're already doing following your heart you know leaning into what you really want to do i always like to say or people that i'm interviewing you know what were you doing when you were like two or three years old you know i was trying to ski down a grass hill or whatever it might have been usually that's where your authentic self lies and if you kind of look back where you were what you're doing you're a little kid that and, and if you can somehow make those behaviors come to fruition right now usually that's like your brand, your identity, your authenticity. It's already there. It's just about, you know, revealing what's within and then kind of going, then the happier you are and the more positive energy you can put out there, that's what makes the world a better place. So all the cliches today. Um, but I appreciate your time and energy. I appreciate the enthusiasm. I couldn't be more of an advocate around this conversation around health and lifestyle and how we, uh, you know, can monetize it. So then it can be a full-time thing. If you're passionate about it and you can spread your passions with the world. Um, where do we find you, Jeff? Give us your IG, your businesses. How do we connect with you? Yeah. You can reach out to me and connect with me at just Jeff Olson, O-L-S-O-N. You're an Olson O-N too, right? Yeah. yeah. You built the right way. So shout out to that. Yeah, Jeff Olson dot info. Jeff Olson dot info, uh, is the website. And, uh, I guess my handle is healthy living agency on Instagram. So 
Boom. And I'll post all this. Um, but reach out to Jeff. As soon as we are out of this Corona timeout, I would love to meet in person. Um, shout out to your strong wife and your strong daughters. I, I love that. <laughs> I do love that you have three, four females in the house with you. I got three, five. I got five. My five. mother-in-law lives with us. So I got, I got five oh. women in the house. And, yeah, and it's a blessing right now because of the, you know, the, the, the challenge with the, the Corona. I've got my 23-year-old, my 21-year-old, and my 18-year-old in the house for a month. I don't think that's ever going to happen again. That's like unprecedented. Like, And their boyfriends aren't here, so it's just like I'm loving it right now. <laughs> Oh, no, that is awesome. I know if my parents listen to this, they would be thinking that exact same thing. We're kind of, we're all older than that, but we're all in similar age ranges. And I know particularly my mom and probably my dad too would be saying that same thing. So, uh, enjoy the, the tribe while they're all there and influence them as much as you can. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible anymore. Um, but I appreciate your time and energy. I'll post all your information. Uh, if there's any follow-up from I and that's helpful, let me know. And then let's definitely connect. Like I said, once we're out of this, uh, Corona timeout. That sounds great. Look forward to it. Well, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. All right. Peace out. Thanks, everyone. See ya. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.